Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Just a warning that today's episode contains audio that may be distressing for some listeners. For those who went to the Travis Scott Astroworld concert in Texas last Friday, it was supposed to be a sign of a return to the good old days, where we could gather and dance and enjoy the entertainment of a major music act. For eight people, though, it would be their last concert. For 300 others, it will carry physical scars. For 50,000 people, it will forever be a day where a moment of celebration became one of pain. But if a crowd is so hyped up to the point of crushing each other to death, is there really anything you can do to stop it? Tell the lights on, tell the lights on. Listen to that small boy right there hanging in the tree right there. Today, we find out what measures are in place to protect you when you go to a gig here in Australia and what those who put the event on can control and what they can't. On Friday, in Texas, a 50,000-strong crowd were racing into the Astroworld Festival venue to see acts including Travis Scott and Drake. Security reported people being rowdy from the moment they arrived, hyped up and ready to get back to a major concert. 30 minutes before Scott took to the stage, after a video of previous gigs had been shown showcasing the crowd going wild, a countdown clock began. As the numbers counted down to the start of the show, fans became more and more hyped. They started to push forward as that number got closer to zero. And as Travis Scott finally made it to the stage, the crowd, now one big moving organism, surged forward. Survivors described how they were immediately separated from their friends, carried away in the sea of moving bodies. Those at the front crushed up against the barriers. There are some people who were just laughing at those of us who were like screaming to get out because they thought it was funny and they're not realising that this is terror, we're trying to get out of here. The crowd didn't start out that packed. There was space. We didn't sign up to come here for this. I was seeing two bodies laying down right behind me and uh, the whole time I was just thinking that they were passed out and then once the security guard was just right next to me talking to another security guard saying that he didn't have a pulse and that's when I knew something was really off. Those who could got out of the crush. One girl climbed a camera tower screaming that someone was dead in the crowd below, but no one listened and the gig continued. Scott did stop the show a few times when he noticed that there were some issues in the crowd. Hold on, don't touch it, don't touch it. Security, somebody help jump in real quick. But seemingly not understanding the gravity of what was unfolding, Scott continued the show. When it was finally stopped for good, eight people were dead, most suffering cardiac arrest after being squeezed to a point where they couldn't breathe. The youngest victim was just 14, 
but there's a nine-year-old boy in an induced coma right now fighting for his life, his brain swelling after he was caught up in the crush, falling from his dad's shoulders when he passed out from being crushed himself. Scott has since released videos of him saying how devastated he is about the incident. I'm honestly just devastated and I could never imagine anything like this just happening. I just want to send out prayers to the to the ones that was lost last night. My fans really mean the world to me and I always just really want to leave them with a positive experience. But he has form. He's been charged several times in the past for inciting violence at his shows telling people to push through security, to jump from balconies, even tweeting in the lead-up to this sold-out show that they would still sneak in the wild ones. An element of this crowd would have gone there hoping for a wild ride in the mosh pit. Crowd rush deaths and injuries aren't unheard of. In 2000, nine people died when the crowd rushed the stage at the Roskilde Festival in Denmark, where Pearl Jam were playing. Lead singer Eddie Vedder pleaded with the crowd to take three steps back to save those being crushed at the front. A decade later, he addressed the crowd in Berlin, saying it's still one of the worst moments of their lives. So 10 years ago in Denmark today, it was a completely different experience and it continues to be the hardest day in our lives and everyone who was there agrees. Vedder and other artists have since played a much bigger role in spotting poor crowd behaviour and stopping any incident before it escalates. Vedder throwing a fan out of their gig at Wrigley Field in 2016 after stopping the show and making sure the fan was okay. Stop, 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 stop. Hey, hey, mister. Hey, hey, get your finger out of that woman's face. Hey, mister. All the fingers are pointing at you. Yep. Come on, clear out, mister. Luckily, here in Australia, incidents have been rare. But in 2001, 16-year-old Jessica McCallick died after she was crushed during Limp Bizkit's performance at the Sydney Big Day Out. Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers had managed to control the crowd at the event in the lead-up to Limp Bizkit taking to the stage. If you could just bear in mind that you don't want to hurt somebody, that you don't want to inflict a difficulty in somebody breathing in mind and just change the whole vibe out there. But Fred Durst, Limbiscuit's lead singer, didn't handle it as well, arguing with security who were begging him to stop the show, only holding up when Big Day Out organiser Vivian Lees took the mic and told people to step back. Please ask the audience to step back, step back, be, fre- be very gentle with the people around. There are some people down the front who are down. I ask you to just... Respect your fellow human being. There are some few people in trouble down the front. I ask you to just step back, take one step back, give the people at the front a room and a chance to get up onto their feet. Durst had reportedly told the organisers that they needed tea barriers, a crowd control system that was discussed in the lead-up to the event but never put in place. Crowd crush incidents aren't only a problem at music events either. On Saturday, April 15, 1989... 53,000 football fans poured into the Liverpool-Nottingham Forest game at Hillsborough. Entry to the ground was being slowed down by the sheer number of people trying to get through the turnstiles. A decision was made to open the exit gates to alleviate the crush of people at the entry, allowing 2,000 fans to make their way into the ground en masse. Most headed through a tunnel that leads to the pens behind the goals, the area fronted by high fences that keeps fans from getting on the pitch. 
As the game kicked off, people at the front, pushed in by the influx of people still entering the area, were pushed up against the pens. Some started to climb out through the sides. The barrier in one of the pens gave way, causing people to fall on top of each other. Survivors reported seeing people lose consciousness as some climbed the fences and fans in upper tiers pulled people to safety. Seven minutes after the game started, a police officer ran onto the pitch and called for it to stop. It was declared a major incident and in the aftermath, 96 people lost their lives. So what measures are in place here in Australia to ensure that you don't end up being a victim of a crowd crush event? Merv McCasker is the former national site manager of the Big Day Out Festival. Merv, what changed for crowd safety measures after the incident in Sydney in 2001? We were forced to finish the tour. Powderfinger stepped up, all the other bands stepped up and supported us, and we eventually got through it with broken hearts. Then we had to wait for the coroner's inquiry. We had to look at the other shows we were going to and how we were going to manage it. But the fact that the band that caused the issue had left, there weren't any more issues. It was like a normal big day out, you know, intense at times, but normal. The demands from that inquest came that we had to improve our system of running an event. So what was put together was a 10-point plan that we produced. And a big part of that was the design of what we called the D-barrier, a barrier that ran along the stage and then did a semicircle to form a D out to the front of house. There were entry points to control that D. The D was double-barriered with security all along it. We put in water under the stage. We introduced misters. We tried to cool the kids down. We put such a strong security observation and active team in the barrier to stop the nonsense if it did arise. And people were still allowed to march. We weren't there to stop them. We're just trying to make it safe. So this D-barrier only let so many in. As people left, more got to go in. We introduced what we call the Bible. It involved every facet of the event, every safety thing, risk assessments, you name it. Merv, once a crowd gets to that point where they are in a frenzy and they are pushing so hard, is there anything you can actually do other than the artist on stage? Is there anything else that you can do to control that crowd? Well, we try with security, but there's not a lot you can do in that instance. If anything, the only thing in my mind, and I'll stand by this, the band must stop and say, hey, going to walk off stage if you carry on like this. You need to take two steps back, everyone, right now. It happened so quick, and it's the first time we ever experienced anything like it. And we started in 92. The first six was about people sharing music. didn't matter whether they were goths, punks, hippies, whatever. They all got together. There was no violence. We didn't even have police for years on our side. 
Merv, how do you feel when you see something like that happen like it did at Astro World? How does it make you feel knowing that events like that, that can be prevented and you've proven that it can, happen again? I couldn't see much barrier at all with so many punters there. Not much crowd control, it seemed. I'm not bagging the security at the event, as it's not really their fault. But even the camera person didn't act straight away when the girl got up on stage and demanded to get it stopped. Surely the education procedures should be put in place for all performers. Some acts seem oblivious to what is happening in front of them. The people performing need to understand this can happen at any show and event. And my, well, this is where I get teary. <laughs> um, my heart goes out. My heart goes out to the family and friends of the people that died. I haven't experienced an incident and lived with it. Forever. This event should not have evented like the way it did. The bottom line to me is the whole industry has to be regulated so that bands are taught to take responsibility and that promoters need to be aware of the dangers of what they're creating. For those whose lives have been changed forever by events like these, this latest one would have been very triggering to see. For anyone who's felt unsafe in a large crowd, the feelings of anxiety this story has brought up are very real. For those who've lost friends and family to them, it has them wondering why. Why is this still happening? This is a message we received from a woman who says she was friends with Jessica McCallick, the teen who died at the big day out in 2001 who was taken back to that day when we discussed it on Mamma Mia Out Loud and The Spill, our sister podcasts. How are we still here 20 years later? Jess's legacy was the erection of the mandatory D barrier for Australian live music events to prevent this exact scenario. In the inquiry that followed her death, Limp Bizkit's antagonisation of the crowd was ruled as a contributing factor. They refused to stop playing and jeet up the crowd with taunts. How are the bands and artists still allowed to engage in this behaviour? One life lost was more than enough. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you wouldn't mind doing us a solid, if you're a fan of this podcast, could you head to the show notes, click on the link, and vote for us for Listener's Choice at the Australian Podcast Awards? Voting closes on Sunday, November 28. Thank you in advance. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.